Hello, everyone. Hello. Hello. We're getting a bit more confident with each week, aren't we? Just, uh, um, I need this, actually. Um, brilliant. Uh, well, my name's Paul Hatton, one of the leaders here at King's Community Church. Welcome if you're joining us online, uh, my masked friends in the room. Um, it's nice to be with you. Um, just a bit of a heads up about the King's Hope initiative that we uh, started really at the start of the first lockdown, so uh, well over a, a year now. Um, we've been delivering food parcels to families within the West Earlham and Larkman uh, communities and building up relationships and friendships uh, with them. And it's been wonderful to see all these sort of gospel opportunities like you know what Jamie shared and Sarah shared um, with friends, but we've been seeing it on the estates uh, around here, and that's been amazing. I want to, want to encourage you to continue praying, uh, continue giving into uh, what the church is doing. Um, I know we're not passing buckets around, but I know many of you uh, give so f- uh, faithfully and sacrificially into all that God is doing amongst us. Um, we're looking to, or would love to be able to do a weekend uh, delivery um, and uh, if you could spare maybe an hour, hour and a half on a Saturday uh, every other week. Um, so not necessarily a huge commitment, but we'd love to just be able to offer like a pair of people to go out into the community uh, to go beyond the, doing about 13 or 14 families at the moment. We'd love to be able to reach out to uh, to more families with the gospel and with food as well. So uh, do let me know. Send me an email, paul at kings-norwich.com, uh, or let me know um, in the week. I'd love to hear from you. Okay. Well, let's turn to Joshua chapter 2. Um, Beth and, and Sim have already given a really wonderful um, sort of introduction, really, to, uh, to the book of Joshua and to what God is doing uh, there. So please do turn Joshua chapter 2. Um, The headline really today um, is that God saves, that God uses, and that God redefines imperfect people. We've found our way into the story of Rahab. It's a fascinating story, um, and uh, Rahab was probably one of the most unlikely people to have been saved, to have been on the list of gods that we would think that God would reach out to. We might think, no, she's past it. She's, she's got no chance of being saved. We see that Rahab breaks, uh, God breaks into Rahab's life. And we see that again in stories in the Bible, in the Old Testament and the New Testament. We've seen it throughout church history, and we've seen it in the lives of you and I. If you're a believer, we've seen it in our lives today as well. Okay, well, Joshua chapter 2, um, and we're going to read a couple of verses in chapter 6 as well, because uh, Rahab's story uh, continues into chapter 6. And I've asked Karis if she would be happy to read it. Okay, I need to... I'll go, <laughs> I'll go off and sort that out. Um, Karis. Right. <laughs> Everyone concentrate on the word. That's the most important. Oh, dear. Right. Joshua 2. Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go, look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab. 
Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house, because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. But she had actually taken them to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax she had laid out on the roof. So the men sent out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said, I know that the Lord had given you this land and that a great fear of, of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Dead Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and when you did it to Shihon and Og, the two kings of their Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you, for the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family, because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them, and that you will save us from our death. Our lives for your lives, the men assured her. If you don't tell what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. So she let them down by a rope through the window, for the house she lived was in part of the city wall. She said to them, go to the hills so the pursuers won't find you. Hide yourselves there three days until they return, then go on your way. Now the men said to her, this oath you made us swear will not be binding on us unless, when we enter the land, you have tied this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you have brought your father and mother, your brothers and all your family into your house, if any of them go outside your house into the street, their blood will be on their heads. We will not be responsible. As for those who are in the house with you, their blood will be on our head if a hand is laid on them. But if you tell what we are doing, we will be released from the oath you made us swear. Agreed, she replied. Let it be as you say. So she sent them away and they departed and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. When they left, they went into the hills and stayed there three days until the pursuers had searched all along the road and returned without finding them. Then the two men started back. They went down out of the hills, forded the river, and came to Joshua, son of Nun, and told him everything that had happened. They said to Joshua, The Lord has surely given the whole land into our hands. All the people are melting in fear because of us. And I'm going to bounce to Joshua 6, 22 to 23. Joshua said to the two men who had spied out the land, Go into the prostitute's house and bring her out and all who belong to her in accordance with your oath to her. 
So the young men who had done the spying went in and brought out Rahab, her father and mother, her brothers and sisters, and all who belonged to her. They brought out her entire family and put them in a place outside the camp of Israel. Thanks, Karis. Lord Jesus, we do pray that you would speak to us uh, through your words. Uh, we thank you that it's living and active um, and uh, it's powerful and we love it. Um, we just pray you'd, you'd speak into our hearts, Lord, of, of what you want to teach us through this story of Rahab, of what you were doing with the Israelites at this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, right, I'll try not to touch that anymore. Okay, in chapter 1 of Joshua, we were in the Israelite camp. They were just to the east of the Jordan in a place called Shittim. There is a map. I don't know if... Ah, brilliant. You can see this. Okay, so the Israelites over here on the right, on the east side of the Jordan uh, River. Who doesn't love a map? Yeah? Just me? Okay, well, here's a map. They're on the east side of the Jordan. They've been wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years, waiting for the disobedient generation of the Israelites to die out and Joshua to take them into the promised land. Now, the promised land is Canaan, and Canaan is on the west side uh, of the Jordan River. And as you can see, just over the other side of the Jordan is Jericho. Now, this is a fortified, walled city. And so Joshua wants to send spies in to Jericho to find out about like, what's their deal, what are the people like, uh, what armor do they have, what, what's the, what are the army forces like, what are we up against. So we're transported really across from Shittim all the way to Jericho, and we meet a lady called Rahab, as uh, we've obviously heard in the reading. Now Rahab was a Canaanite prostitute. She lived right on the edge of Jericho, but she wasn't so much necessarily, it wasn't necessarily that important that she was right on the edge of the city. She was actually right on the edge of society. She was right on the edge of society. We don't know much about Rahab in the sense of what led her into prostitution, but I think we're well aware that in her past will have been brokenness, will have been pain, will have been abuse and trauma. No one chooses to enter into prostitution. No girl grows up and goes, do you know what I want to be when I'm older? It just doesn't happen like that. Rahab was a broken lady. She was probably thinking very much about putting food on the table for her family, providing for them. She would have experienced the shame of uh, other women in the community um, who would have looked on her and thought, oh, what is she doing? What is she doing? She would have experienced shame as well. She would have welcomed at her door many faceless and nameless men, day after day. And actually on this day, in this account, we actually get two more men, faceless and nameless again, trying not to stand out, and they're two spies, two Israelite spies. Rahab welcomes them in. Maybe she doesn't know who they are, but she welcomes them in. And they tell, they tell her what they're up to, and she says, yes, the, Jer- the people of Jericho are fearful for their lives. They've heard reports of what, um, uh, of, of what 
Yahweh, the God of Israel, has done um, to bring them through the Red Sea, to kill two Amorite uh, kings and their people, um, and they're fearful. So Jericho and the people of Jericho are very much on the back foot. They're fearful, and the Israelites haven't even got across the Jordan yet. But Rahab believed. She was a woman of faith. She believed that if Yahweh could make a way for the Israelites through the Red Sea, then that same God could make a way for her, out of her sin, out of her brokenness, into new life. That he is indeed the way maker. He is indeed the one who brings us out of our sin and our brokenness into the promised land. Okay, we're going to see three things we're going to see in this story, that God saves imperfect people, that he uses imperfect people, and that he redefines imperfect people. So firstly, we've, we've seen really that Rahab's not the perfect person that you'd expect. She's not the one who was reading the Bible, devoting herself to prayer. She wasn't helping people particularly She was living a life far from God. It shows us that we're never out of the reach of God's grace. That you are never out of the reach of God's grace. That no matter what you've done in the past, no matter what you are giving yourself to now, no matter what sin you might be caught up in and entrenched in and just can't find a way out of it, that God's grace goes after you, that God's grace is enough, that God is a God who welcomes us in with open arms as we turn to him. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Like Rahab, do you feel the condemnation? Do you feel worthless? Do you feel like too many mistakes, too many regrets? Too many times have I given myself over to sin? The good news is, the good news of the gospel is that no choice we ever make, no scars ever inflicted, no drink taken or words flung or body misused can keep us from the saving grace of Jesus Christ. This is the good news. Our past is never good enough to earn God's salvation, nor shocking enough to keep us from it. We're not only saved by grace at that first point, but we go on being saved and made to be more like Jesus by his grace, by his empowering presence within us. From beginning to end, our salvation is God's work. It's God's work. We don't have to strive or strain for it. We do obviously have to possess it, as Beth Beth said. We have to walk in it, but we don't do that out of strain or, or stress or trying harder or trying to be a better person. We let God do his work in our lives. We see Rahab's confession of faith in verses 8 to 11. It says, before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given this land to you and that a great fear of you has fallen on us 
so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We've heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to Sion and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts sank, and everyone's courage failed because of you. And this, this is the end of her confession. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. So Rahab experienced, by God's mercy, God going ahead of her. He sent reports and he sent the spies. Without those two things, who knows whether Rahab would have been saved, whether she would have had the opportunity to express faith and be saved along with uh, the rest of the Israelites coming into the promised land. This is how God works. God elects a people for himself, and then to bring them to salvation, he goes before them. He goes before them. It says in Romans chapter 8, verse 30, that those that God predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. This is God's work. He goes before belief. We express belief. That is our part in the, in the deal of salvation. Mark chapter 16, uh, Jesus says that whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. So the offer of salvation is there for every single one of us today. It's always there. No matter how far we've strayed, no matter how far we've gone, Jesus offers it. So Rahab experienced um, God going before her, showing mercy and sending the spies and the reports. She expressed faith and belief, but that wasn't enough. Faith is always accompanied by good works. Faith is always something that is outworked. Martin Luther said that we are saved by faith alone. But the faith that saves is never alone. So it's a certain type of faith that actually saves us. A certain type of faith. It's a faith that is outworked. For Rahab, actually, um, she's mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of faith, where you just get person after person, Abraham, Sarah, Moses, and Rahab's in there. And it says of her that by faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. For every person in the list of faith, they're actually marked out for their obedience. They're actually marked out for their outworking of their faith. And it wasn't that they were perfect. But when the rubber hit the road, actually it was their faith and their trust in God that brought them through. So for Rahab, she welcomed the spies. It talks about that in James chapter uh, 2, uh, where it says that she was considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies. It says that faith without deeds is dead. So we are saved by faith, but, we're not, uh, that, but that must go on to good works. It must go on to produce fruit. Our faith if, if we have a faith that never leads 
to works. We're just like a dead tree that never produces fruit. And sometimes that takes time. You know, a, a, a guy here or a woman in, a, in an orchard, they, they might look at an apple tree and they think, well, it's not produced fruit this year. But they don't, don't chop the tree down. They say, no, we'll give this another year. Oh, it doesn't produce fruit. The, 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 it's not, is it the farmer? I don't, what's the, I don't know what the technical term would be. Uh, but the person looking after the orchard, um, they give the tree a, a few years before, no, this is a dead tree. Actually, as, as we've got faith in our hearts, we should expect there to be fruitfulness out of that. It should lead us to good works. I just want to touch on baptism at this point. That, that, that verse um, in uh, Mark chapter 16, where Jesus says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. So there's belief, but there's also baptism. And baptism is, is very often and really should be that, that first expression of faith. It's that first step of obedience. And we're all on different journeys. Sometimes that does come a little bit later for various reasons and our upbringing and things like that. But for a believer to express their faith in baptism, that's a wonderful outworking of faith. So God saves Rahab. He saves imperfect people. There's hope for all of us. But God also uses imperfect people. So he uses Rahab. He uses her to save the spies. She's pretty nifty in that sense. She does lie. It's, it's uh, descriptive, not prescriptive. It's a good sort of principle when we're reading through the Bible, not just to, well, if it's in there, that must mean that God ordained it and that God was, was, wanted that to happen necessarily in that way. It's descriptive, not prescriptive. Used Rahab to save uh, her family, so her whole household, uh, mom, dad, brothers, sisters came into the house so that when the spies came into, the, uh, into Jericho that the whole household was saved, but also used her to raise a boy into a man called, Ra- uh, not called Rahab, called Boaz. Now, Boaz is in the story of Ruth. Boaz was a godly man. Rahab had done a, a great job of passing on the faith to Boaz. Boaz welcomed in a Moabite woman, a, a widow. She, she was in, um, uh, where was she? So she was a Moabite woman. She was welcomed in uh, through uh, her mother-in-law um, into the people of God. She was welcomed in as a stranger. Boaz then marries her, pays the price to redeem her. The line then from Boaz and Ruth's children and children and children goes all the way to Jesus. This act of faith that we see with Rahab here where she's expressing faith, she's putting her trust in God, it totally transforms the direction that her whole life goes in. She's going in one direction, living for herself, living to please others, living in sin, far from God. God breaks in. She expresses faith. She believes in in God, accepts his grace, and God's got other plans for her. He uses her 
for his purposes. I'll go on to point three because of time, but he then, he then re, he redefines her. I mean, is there more of a redefinition than being welcomed into the lineage of Jesus Christ than, than Jesus just going, yeah, I want that woman in my lineage. She is welcomed in. Her past that previously defined her no longer defines her. The one who has paid the price for her defined her from that point on. That's true for us. It says in, um, where is it? It says in Galatians 5, chapter 1, that it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. This is our redefinition. That actually, whatever we've given ourselves to, whatever troubles and difficulties and sin we find ourselves in, that Jesus has paid the price for us and that he is the one who defines us now. He bought us at a price. John chapter 1 says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That's who we are. We're no longer orphans. We're no longer far from God. We're children of the living God. Brothers and sisters, we are sons and daughters. That is the place that we operate out of. It enables us to operate out of love, love for one another, patience with one another as we bear with one another because we've experienced the love of God. He's welcomed us into his family. We don't therefore have to get protective about ourselves or, or try to uh, put walls around our lives. We can be open and honest with our lives because we're not trying to hide anything. We're experiencing his, we, we've experienced his love and grace and we can experience that and pass that on to others. So God has redefined us. We're children of God. God redefined Rahab, welcomed her into the family of God. We're a new creation. We are new creations. The old has gone, the new has come. Rahab, she left her old way of life. We don't necessarily know what happened later on um, in her life, but we trust that she walked in the goodness of the grace that God had for her. It was by faith that she did that. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. When we are tempted to fall back into old habits, when we're tempted to discount ourselves from God wanting to save us and use us for his plans and purposes, we can take hold of the fact that we are a new creation, that he's got good works that he's planned in advance for every single one of us to do. Let's stand. Johnny and Sarah, if you would come back. I don't know, Steve, do you want to lead us into communion? Yeah, I'll, I'll just wrap up and pray. I mean, Rahab's story, it shows us that God saves us, that he uses us, and that he redefines us. 
There is hope for all of us, hope for our neighbours and our friends and our families. When we look at the lives of those around us and we think, can God save? Will God save? Yes, God is the God of salvation. He's the one who welcomes us in. He's the one who welcomes imperfect people in. He's the one who breaks down walls and barriers that people have put up to the living God. People would have looked at Rahab and thought, no, she's got no chance. No, there's not even any point sharing good news with her. She's too far from God. Let's see this story. Let's let it give us hope in our hearts to reach out to those around us. Let us pray. Father, I'm, I'm just so grateful, just personally, that you have saved me. A sinner who was far from you. A sinner who, who thought, no, I've, I've got this all wrapped up. I'm, I'm okay. I can do things on my own. I can do things in my own strength. I've got this. Like, I'm good enough to be welcomed in. Thank you so much that you, you broke through that with your grace. You broke through that with your love and kindness. Thank you so much for this church, this church family, for brothers and sisters who, who love you and know you and have experienced the same saving grace as I have. And I pray that you would reach out now, Lord, into, uh, to those watching, to those here, to those in this, the communities around, Lord, with your grace and your kindness. In Jesus' name, amen. How's that? There we go. Great. Um, you should find some uh, 